0: Hey everyone, Gil Gross here, and it is time for a preview of the 2023 Roland Garros 2023 Men's Semi-Finals between Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic and Kasparud versus Alexander Zverev. Well, let us start with the first one. The headliner, I think it's fair to say. Uh, A matchup that we had been deprived of for over a year now. One which for for many reasons hasn't materialized, but one of the big ones is that they haven't been in a lot of the same draws for numerous unfortunate reasons. But all of this might have been worth the wait, because if they're going to play, at least it's at a major, and it's late in a major, and it's built up this hype that I think is going to be uh, really, really fun. In fact... I I think it's up there in recent times for the most anticipated matches that that I can remember. Last year's Roland Garros quarterfinal between Rafa and and Novak was big, especially because Djokovic was coming off of a win. And it was, can he do that two in a row? If he does it two in a row, that seems pretty big and significant. And Nadal fended him off. The Medvedev-Djokovic US Open final felt pretty big because Novak was going for the Grand Slam. That was enormous. Federer, Djokovic, Wimbledon 2019, especially in hindsight, was enormous, kind of the last hurrah of of that great rivalry. But this has everything. It has the generational contrast, 16-year age gap. It has the scarcity of only having seen it once, and it's been over a year since we've last seen it. It has the dominance factor. The fact that the last three majors have gone to these two. And at the last two majors, one of them has been absent and the other has won. So excited. So excited. So I'll talk about how each player can win and I will give you a prediction. I first want to talk actually about what is not factoring in to my thinking. It's something that I've seen a lot even in my Twitter replies and, and such, is Alcaraz is playing better, so he's going to win. I think everybody is being duped, or I simply don't think that's a good argument. There's a lot of arguments that I think are good for Alcaraz. I will make those. I don't think that's a good one. He has played really good opponents, and he has crushed them. And that has been very impressive. We're talking about Shapovalov, we're talking about Musetti, we're talking about Tsitsipas. Djokovic, on the other hand, has played really well at times, but it has not always been as smooth, particularly against davidovich Fakina and for the first two sets against uh, Karen Hachanov. So, yes, anybody can watch these two play and identify that Alcaraz is playing better and having an easier time. Anybody can see that. I just don't think that's going to matter on Friday afternoon. Tennis is a two-way relationship. It's a it's a clean slate. You put two players on two great players on the court together, they're going to disrupt each other in different ways and I I just don't think these last couple matches are going to matter for what happens on Friday. Novak is not like Alcaraz's previous opponents. Uh, Alcaraz is not like Novak's previous opponents. And I just think you can wipe the slate clean here, essentially. And I just wanted to say that off the top. You know, this is not swimming or F1 qualifying where where basically your performance is in a vacuum and your opponent doesn't matter. So, all of you know how incredible it's looked from Alcaraz, and it's looked incredible. You do realize that the goal is to disrupt that. So, it might not look as incredible if Djokovic is able to do certain things successfully that bother Carlitos. Uh, and that's why I just don't think getting swept up into how dominant Alcaraz's last couple matches have been is smart. All right, with that, let's start with Alcaraz's paths to victory and I think kind of what he's going to look to do on court. So first, let's go back to their first meeting in Madrid. It was a very, very close match. And despite it being a very close match, a match that felt 50-50, From pretty much from start to finish, there was one tactic that just kept working over and over and over again. And I think if Alcaraz didn't identify that or didn't continue to execute that, he would have lost that match. On the ad side, and this was particularly crucial on many of the break points because so many of the break points come on the ad side. On the ad side, Alcaraz was feasting with the plus one behind his kick serve his kick serve to Novak's backhand. Novak Djokovic obviously the greatest returner of all time, particularly on hard court and grass courts. But his worst return of serve is the kick serve that gets upstairs high to his backhand. It's the way to take away the power and the precision on Novak's return. It's to get it above his shoulders. And it's not really, it doesn't mean, you know, you're not going to get free points on it, but you're going to get a return, especially if you use it, you know, considering it it can be a second serve as well. Uh, You're going to get a return that just doesn't come back with as much venom and certainly in the case of Madrid, as much depth as you ordinarily would a Novak Djokovic return. And not only that, on the ad side, you have Novak off the court and Alcaraz whether it be with the plus one backhand down the line or the forehand inside in or the forehand inside out back behind Djokovic, it was just a, a plus one, an automatic kind of plus one success parade, essentially. Now, Novak will be ready for that. However, I think that Alcaraz can look at that and try to replicate that, not just off of his kick serve, but in rally. And I'm very confident that that's going to be the goal for Alcaraz. And the key is how do you set up your attack? How do you create a short ball? Once you get that ball to attack, you have all these different kinds of options if you're Alcaraz, you have the drop shot, you have the big power, you have the ability to finish at net. The key is finding that attackable ball, drawing that short ball. And I think he's going to do that with height to Djokovic's backhand. So I expect super high RPM forehands, ideally inside out, down the line to Djokovic's backhand. You get the ball above the shoulder on clay and you attack from there. Rafa has been doing that, you know, to Novak. It's it's definitely kind of the pattern you want to find. Now, you know, you can kind of, you got to mix it up, right? You need to throw in variety, but I feel like that is the base. That is the bread and butter pattern. And the goal is you're trying to attack Djokovic with height, break his contact point with the backhand, draw the weaker ball from there, and attack. On the Djokovic side of things, I think you look to what Yannick Sinner has done to Carlos Alcaraz. Hug the baseline and bring big power off of both wings, the forehand and the backhand. You can hit to big targets, but whatever you do, make Carlitos feel rushed. And if you're able to do that, he can spray. He can, he's not the he is susceptible to being rushed. He will make errors if he's rushed. He will get uncomfortable if he's rushed. He can make some shot selection errors when he feels like he doesn't have enough time. He can he can overhit. And ultimately you want to pl- you want him to be playing as much defense as possible and that can also accomplish that if you're just being very aggressive off both wings and you're hugging the baseline to try to take away as much time as possible and you can develop from there a consistency advantage. And it's also very important that you do that off the off of the return of serve. At this in in at this stage in Alcaraz's career, although he is able to bring big pace off of the first serve, he will still sometimes miss his spots and when he does, you have to make him pay. You need to Take away his plus one by hitting it hard at his feet or hard back at his forehand and try to catch him in his recovery and rush that plus one to get to either neutral or to gain an immediate advantage with the return of serve. It's something that Marojan did so well, and attacking the second serve is right in there as well. Uh, and Sinner has done really, really well against Alcaraz throughout that head-to-head, which has probably been Carlitos' most difficult head-to-head of his career. So you have to make sure to be dangerous on the return of serve. The trade-off is that you might miss some returns. Novak needs to accept that because the payoff is going to be there. Uh, It's so so crucial against Alcaraz that you make him pay for missing the spots on his serve. Uh, Sinner has really smothered Alcaraz's serve, and there's no reason why Novak can't do the same. He certainly has the skills to do it. I think holding the baseline is going to be key for both. One thing that I've really admired uh, from both players throughout watching them this tournament is... uh, And for Alcaraz, I think it's pretty well documented. For Djokovic, maybe less so. Uh, But they're doing such a good job of pushing opponents back with, with heavy spin, with constant changes of direction, just by getting on top of the point, and then finishing clinically with the drop shot. I mean, both of them are at such a high level of execution on the drop shot. Alcaraz, both sides. Novak mostly the backhand but sometimes the forehand as well. I don't think either of them can afford to allow their court position to drift back and it's just been so important in these heavy slow conditions especially against great movers where it really is difficult to it, it's difficult to hit through and find winners Off of your power ground strokes. It's just not easy. Especially if you have an opponent who is dropping back defensively. So you have to go to the drop shot. You have to finish at net. um, And both the drop shot and the net approaches are opened up by dominating the court position battle. I'm fascinated to see how both of them look to hold the baseline. How both of them look to push the other back. Djokovic has been using a lot of height. A lot of height. Um, throughout the event. what is Al- How is Alcaraz going to respond to that? Is he going to step in and take that heavier, higher ball on the rise? Or is he going to be pushed back by it? That's a big question. And for Djokovic, the same. But I do think that Alcaraz can attack with height a little bit easier than Djokovic. I don't think uh, I think Alcaraz can just accomplish heavier RPMs, and that gives him the ability to kind of get the same effect without having to put so much shape on the ball, if that makes sense. And it just becomes a, a, a little bit more effective that way. The other thing that's going to be interesting to see is the contrasting approaches under pressure. Djokovic 5-0 in tie breaks at... Roland Garros this year, uh, Alcaraz, I I'm, I'm curious. So let me pull up the number here. I wonder what his record is in tie breaks. Um, I wonder what it is in 2023 as well. Uh, in the last 52 weeks, my goodness, Alcaraz is 21 and nine, a 70% win rate in tie breaks. And in 2023, um, he's seven and three, so he hasn't played as many tie breaks, but that's still an identical win percentage of 70%. So both of them just excel in this format, but they have completely opposite approaches. Alcaraz throws a ton of variety your way. The pressure situations is when he likes to take advantage of your passivity and he serves in volleys. Well, are you feeling nervous and you're trying to hit a safe return and making sure you get the return in play? Alcaraz punishes you for that. Are you dropping the ball a little bit short? Alcaraz punishes you with that because he loves to hit the drop shot under pressure because he he knows that if you're getting tentative, you might your depth might suffer and your court position might suffer a little bit. So all of the... You know, the, the net rushing Alcaraz loves to do under pressure. He really likes to tap into his aggressive offensive arsenal in these big spots. And you we know what Djokovic likes to do. He likes to lock down, trust his legs, and simplify. No unnecessary risk. Uh, Really cut down on the mistakes and make his opponents come up with seven great points in order to beat him it's such a different approach and i wonder will both of them completely stay true to themselves or will one of them kind of throw in a curveball will one of them waver a little bit will novak get more aggressive will will alcaraz kind of shy away from the creative offensive variety it's going to that that's going to be just something to watch and and i'm not really really sure so with that prediction I believe that Djokovic's advantages here and Djokovic's paths to victory are fighting against the conditions. Novak has a serve return advantage. I like I like his serve better. I like his return better. That matters less on this slow clay, where they are going to be getting into more neutral situations. Novak will be getting less free points. Uh, his return, his aggressive returning is not going to be quite as effective because Alcaraz won't be quite as rushed as he might be in quicker conditions. Djokovic's ability to rush Alcaraz and be more comfortable in a in a very high pace of play, fast pace of play, Djokovic's compact power, well, it's tougher to rush Alcaraz because everything is moving slower in these conditions. And I think when there's a lot of time, when Alcaraz has enough time, and I think he will because of the conditions, his forehand becomes more deadly. His movement becomes a bigger uh, a bigger problem. It becomes harder uh, to kind of deal with his ability to scramble and his ability to turn defense into offense, which at this stage in his career is at an even higher level than Novak. And yes, Novak is at a high level in that area as well. So I think a lot of the serves come back into play. I think Alcaraz has enough time uh, to be deadly on his forehand, do more damage with his power, his superior weight of shot, and the speed at times may also make the difference from a neutral From a neutral position, so much of Djokovic's uh, serve plus one kind of precision return uh, capabilities and that bang-bang stuff that I think he does a little bit better than Alcaraz, so much of those are out of the equation, and it becomes much more about the raw speed and power that Alcaraz brings to the table uh, combined with, I just think, his, his superior finishing. On clay court, the way he uses the forehand in tandem with the drop shots uh, and the heavy RPM uh, to kind of push Djokovic back and kind of get it upstairs on the backhand, I really like that pattern for him. So uh, mentally, obviously, Djokovic is the much more experienced player, but I don't, I, I don't think that's gonna be uh, a, a huge difference maker. I don't envision Alcaraz having too much trouble with his nerves. And that's kind of how I get to the Alcaraz prediction. I'm going to stick with my pre-tournament prediction of Alcaraz in four. All right, moving on to the next semi. Uh, I was not able to make a post-match video about Rude and Runa due to my recording schedule. Uh, I will give you uh, a few thoughts on this, but I'm not going to go in too much depth. Uh, Holger came out and it was looking like one of the worst no-shows I can remember in a major quarterfinal. Uh, Just physically unwilling to play rallies and it was ugly. A lot of double faults, not disciplined shot selection errors, not great. Uh, but he, he did work his way into the match. Uh, just to kind of comment on, on that. I I just think at this point there must be of, there must've been kind of a cumulative effect for Holger Runa, because the the physical issues set in against Sarundolo, again, in the third set, which was very early on. And in this match, he came out flat physically. There's some stuff with lactic acid that may have been going on, with soreness that may have been going on. But I think it had to be just the cumulative effect of the, the physical clay court season going. Monte Carlo, Munich, early loss in Madrid, but then all the way in Rome. And, you know, and then Roland Garros. I I just, you have to think, you have to think that he was, in the long term, just completely worn down. Because physically, he just didn't have it. And I was suspicious that he wouldn't have it. Uh, he does win the third set. Uh, but even in the fourth set, there were just a few too many gifts from Holger. You know, the 1-2 game that Casper broke. Uh, Runa serve and, served and volleyed off of second serves twice and on both times. He didn't get it to Rude's backhand. That's a that's a death sentence. Like You can't serve and volley to Rude's forehand off of a second serve. It's just a recipe to lose the point. So that happened twice. Uh, you look at the break point. I thought it was kind of a cheap way for Runa to lose the break point. He was on the run and Rude was... In decent court position and runa tried to hit a forehand drop shot and it it hit the net so i thought that was a pretty poor shot selection just kind of indicative of some of the issues that were coming through here and there for holger and then when casper needed his weapons to fire the serve and the forehand uh those things were there for him it was 15 40 i think in the next game a chance for runa to get back on serve and sure enough rude Find the first serve in the forehand on back-to-back points to get out of that jam. Casper was uh, sustaining offense better with his forehand. He had the higher percentage approach. Stop me if you've heard this before. I think I talked about a lot of the same things actually in the Rome final when Medvedev took on Runa. And Holger, in order to create his offense, just was having to serve in volley a lot and was having to hit high-risk drop shots. And Counterattacks, you know, creating offense from defensive positions. You know, all of these things that, that Runa can do and he can make work, but it's just not as high percentage as on a slow clay court. Just hit aggressive forehands over and over and over again until you draw short balls and maybe have a chance to finish an easy volley. Uh, you know, obviously, it's just... It's not as it was very it seemed very simple for Rude, and it seemed very complicated, up and down, topsy turvy for Runa. All right. Now, the Zverev matchup. What makes picking this match so hard? I mean, neither player had a single win over a top 20 opponent all year long, 0-8 combined, coming into this. Rude. Does face, I think, some some challenging opponents. Uh, the man who beat him last week in Nicholas Jari. Uh, Rude's defense and his return looked really good in that match. And he made things just tough on Jari from a ball retrieval standpoint. Uh, slower conditions helped. And then, you know, he, he beats a, a tired Runa here. Uh, Zverev certainly got a good draw. He gets his top 20 win against Francis Tiafo. He beats Dimitrov, and then he beats Tomas Martin-Echevarri in the quarterfinals. It doesn't feel like we have a great sample size of these guys going up against tier one players, or even tier two players, at their best. And especially not winning those matches. And it And then it feels like for Zverev... It's been mostly against Medvedev when we have gotten to see that. So it's been kind of this repetitive head-to-head over and over again. That makes it hard. That makes it hard. But let's just go into the tactics. Zverev advantages, first of all. Look, Rude, similar to Echeverry. I talked about this in the post-match. Rude is another, I want to hit my forehand to your backhand kind of player. That's what he wants. My forehand and your backhand. And let's break it down from there. Zverev is tough on those kinds of players because he protects his backhand so well. He threatens you with the down the line. He makes it very hard for you to get settled into an invertido, an inside out forehand kind of pattern because Zverev will counter you with his backhand down the line and when he goes cross court he'll do so with a lot of quality. He'll find good angles, he'll find good depth, he'll find good pace and suddenly you're hitting a backhand instead of what you want, which is a forehand. Also, you know, Zverev he's been making a very high percentage of first serves. It's a big first serve, Rood's return, he gets it in play, but Oftentimes, he can struggle for depth. He he chips. A lot of it is chip on the forehand. Very kind of slow, heavy topspin on the backhand. It's attackable. And if Zverev has his early aggression firing, particularly his forehand and his net play, I think that he can... Uh, He can really roll on his first serve points. I could see him winning a high percentage of first serve points if he has his forehand and his transition game going. I expect him to make a high percentage of first serves. At this point, that's not an if. To me, that's almost a when, because Zverev has been doing that extremely consistently. Uh, For Rude, I will say the same thing that I see for Zverev on the first serve— I see Farrood on the second serve. I just like Casper's second serve so much more. And Zverev has consistently struggled to win a high percentage of second serve points. He double-faulted nine times against Tomas Martin Echeverry. He only won around 40% of his second serve points against Echeverry. Meanwhile, Rude has this awesome second serve that's very difficult to attack. It is a million times better than Echeverry's second serve, which Zverev happened to be attacking. So I just think it's a different ball game: Rude's second serve versus Zverev's second serve, it's just not close Uh, For whose I trust more. I also think that Rude defends his forehand very well. He does not defend his backhand nearly as well, but from a matchup standpoint, this creates some problems for Zverev. Zverev's best attacks are his backhand down the line, his forehand inside in, and his forehand cross court. If you think about that, all of those balls go into the deuce side. All of those balls go into uh, Casper's forehand. And I do prefer players against Rude who are able to attack into his backhand defense and to draw that kind of slice defense and come forward. Or the heavy topspin, high topspin defense and come forward. I think that's the best offense against Casper Uh, Maybe Zverev can do a little bit of serve and volley uh, to Rude's backhand return. That's always a good play, so maybe we'll see that a bit. But in general, Zverev's much more comfortable attacking into the deuce side. And I think Rude can take advantage of that with some great forehand D and even some counterattacking forehand D. He's able to flip points around real quick, Sometimes from a difficult position on his forehand, he can turn defense to offense with one swing of the racket. In fact, he's phenomenal at that. So so look for that. Is Varev going to be willing to attack into the ad side? Maybe not. That could be an advantage for Rude. And on the other side of the coin, uh, Rude needs to be able to protect his backhand in the backhand to backhand. I think that Casper might have enough height and spin to keep Zverev at bay a bit. Again, comparing it to Echeverry. Echeverry was hitting a very straight backhand. Somewhat, you know, good, good speed, but predictable cross court and very straight. Rude puts a lot more height and topspin on it. Actually, uh, it's a high RPM backhand. And I think he'll create, he'll force Zverev to try to create more of that and generate more of that pace on his double hander. And that might sap a little bit of Zverev's offensive capabilities on the two hander. But it's also gonna be important that Rude is willing and able to change down the line. I don't expect Rude's backhand down the line to be a consistent offensive weapon throughout the match. But he just needs to be able to kind of pattern change and get it back to the forehand side of Zverev in order for him to have success. I think if he does that well, he'll be in a good position. He also needs to uh, take the forehand inside in as soon as he possibly can. Because if he's hitting his forehand inside out in Zverev's backhand, eventually Zverev is going to neutralize. 100% no doubt about it. You just can't get away with hitting too many inside-out forehands to Zverev's backhand unless you find a nasty angle, which at times, Rude will do. But in general, go inside-in when you have the chance. Very important against Zverev. Prediction. Uh, At the end of the day, I see, from a technical and a tactical standpoint, I feel like both players have paths to victory, uh, but physically and mentally, I'm more confident in Rude to to deliver his best performance. It's kind of the same story, uh, which historically has treated me very well. Predicting Zverev at majors, I mean, more often than not, he has proven me right. Not last year at Roland Garros when I thought Alcaraz. I think I, I think I picked Alcaraz to beat him in the quarterfinal. Uh, but back to the point, I trust Rude's second serve in his forehand under pressure. And I don't trust Zverev's second serve or his forehand under pressure. And that is such a difficult thing for me to get over in this kind of match. And you got to understand also that when Zverev is playing an opponent who he's better than and more talented than, he can bleed away some of these points and still get away with winning the match because he's better. But when he meets his match in a high-stakes major, at the end of a major, I, I just think those small margins and those blips in the radar, they, they matter too much. And I still feel like Zverev is having a lot a lot of ups and downs in his matches. Meanwhile, Rude, who really struggled with confidence for so much of the year, I think he's coming into this without a, a hint of doubt in his abilities. I made two major finals last year. I made in, in the ATP Finals. Here I am in another semifinal. I've I found my game again. It's Roland Garros. I've played so well here, and I just beat Holger Rune, uh, pretty decisively. Whereas he's probably looking at Zverev and and kind of licking his his lips a little bit, uh, just given how Zverev has. Come into this Roland Garros, and also just his path to the semifinal. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just think Rude's probably pretty confident here, uh, which is important for Rude because for so much of the year the guy was just super insecure and unable to execute anything at a high level uh, because he was a uh, mental, like mentally, just a shell of himself. I think that's in the rear view. And it's really Zverev's mind who I worry more about. Looking forward to these semifinals. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come-